Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist. To focus on the emotional connection more than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome, listeners, to another special episode of the Feelin' Film Podcast. You may have noticed that we dropped the number from the front of this episode, and we decided that we might do that from time to time with these reaction episodes, because these are something that is a little bit different. These are unscripted conversations without a lot of planning. This this one in particular is Patrick, who is here with me. Hey, what's up? Awesome to have you, as always, and we are going to react to the Oscars that we just watched. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's my reaction. There'll be um, more, but <laughs> we're also going to react to the 2018 Feelers Choice Award winners, which <laughs> yeah, I know I'm I'm actually really stoked for that. So this will be the first time that we announce those awards. So if you happen to get to this podcast first thing when it drops on our feed, you may actually hear them before I get around to putting them up on social media and the website. Um, in fact, we may even just delay a little bit intentionally so that you know those of you who are listening right off the bat kind of get a perk. But that being said, we don't know how this is going to go, so please do cut us a little bit of slack with uh, without having notes to go on and things of that nature. We're just going to talk about what we thought of the ceremony that we watched tonight. I'm sure many of you did, and then we'll go through some of the we'll go through the awards that that the Oscars have. We'll talk about the corresponding uh, Feelers Choice Awards. For those that are not aware, this is the second year we've done the Feelers Choice Awards, and what these are is a set of awards kind of pared down from some of the Oscar categories, but with two unique categories as well. And these are voted on and nominated by the Feelin Film Facebook group. So we have about 350-ish members that are part of that group, that they come, they have conversation and discussion with other listeners all throughout the week, every single day. It's open for anybody to join. Uh, we'd love to have you come join it and be a part of that conversation. But those folks are the ones that get to participate in these awards. And so it's really cool to see what comes out of them. Uh, Patrick and I are always amazed because we have a, a really neat blend of cinephiles in the group. And then we have other folks who only make it to five or six movies a year. And they're all blockbusters, but they watch a ton of stuff on Netflix or maybe they love classics. And so when you get all of those different perspectives put together into an award process, you get some really weird, interesting results. And you're going to see that in, I'm laughing because I'm looking at them, but you're going to see that in the this year's 2018 um, Feelers Choice Award winners. All right, Patrick, that's probably enough kind of a opening, don't you think? Uh, yeah, let's just get right into it. Did Kimmel beat me? Did he go longer? Um, You guys were close. But I tell you what, you would definitely not be the winner of the jet ski with oh, that right there. That was <laughs> that was awesome. Okay, I, let's just lean and talk because I thought that was one of the coolest things I've seen in the Oscars in forever. I yeah. just the concept of that was so great. the The thing about the Oscars, and particularly with the host that I've noticed over the last, I've really been an active watcher, is that it can either make or break you as a person. I know that there. Are, the Oscars have this tendency to be very, mm, what's the word? It's, it's like a, well, you got, you got to either show up and show out or you're not going to be invited back. And, you know, 
there are folks that don't like Kimmel's comedy. There are folks that thought last year he kind of went too Kimmel-esque. But what are you going to expect? I mean, it's Jimmy Kimmel. He's going to put his own slant to it. I felt like this year we got the same Jimmy Kimmel comedy, but it was tapered back a little bit with the exception of maybe a couple of different segments. I really felt like we got a great balance of getting the host doing his host type stuff and also celebrating the actors, the actresses, the people behind the films. And it didn't become dominant over, over one thing or the other. And that particular bit with the, which wasn't a bit like he actually Dude, gave, the ending when he, when, when yeah. Bridges comes out on the jet ski, with Alan Mirren, that was, I lost it. I, yeah. I doubled over laughing when I saw that. You know, to me, that was just a great touch to bring to the Oscars because it, it, I think the Oscars as a whole can tend to be perceived as this uppity, you know what, if I don't go see stuffy, yeah. self-important. And I think what Kimmel does is he brings the sense of, of common ground, uh, common, common folk to, to the, to the awards. The every sometimes man. A, yeah. The every man, but, and sometimes to a fault, I think the, uh, the, the trip over to the theater across the street was a bit too much, especially for time, time constraints. I kind of wish that was cut. Uh, I appreciated it because, you know, I'm a film goer. And if I were in the audience watching this, I would not be in this audience watching a sneak preview of A Wrinkle in Time. Let me just say that. But if I were part of that, I would definitely be celebrating. But overall, man, I thought I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was a great host. Yeah, I really enjoyed the opening in particular. And I think mm-hmm. the word that speaks to what you were saying there is balance. There was a fantastic balance between the normal Oscar making a point, making statements, and celebrating movies. Um, for some reason, the montages this year stuck out big time to me as just being amazing. I mean, I was captivated by almost every single one of them. The, the military one, uh, mm-hmm. for me personally, I mean, I'm a veteran, and I also love war films. And I was just, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing this. This is wonderful. And especially having just watched the documentary Five Came Back on Netflix, that I talked about in our, our most recent episode, mm-hmm. that was even more of a tie-in. So when they started doing these, these war film kind of montages, I was just, I was loving that. But in general, I thought the montages were fantastic this year and they did do a great job of just balancing out, keeping it on the movies and the performers and the actors and the, the different creative talent. Now with the jet ski, I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was a great idea to make a joke and a gift and and a gag and all of that, but also, you know, have it be real as a way of getting speeches to be a little shorter because it is a common problem. The theater thing kind of ruined that because it set them back. Like all of the time you gain by having people kind of try and speed up for a jet ski is lost when you spend 15 minutes trucking over to interrupt some folks in a theater. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't love it. I'll admit I didn't love it. Now, as someone who, has gone to free screenings prior to being press. I can tell you that a lot of times you will have to stand in line for two or three hours to get a seat in one of those. And I'm just imagining the whole time, like what if I spent two or three hours in line waiting to get into this movie and all of a sudden you interrupted it? Now, there's two two ways you can think about this. One is, wow, these people are getting to meet Gal Gadot and Army Hammer and like Ansel Elgort is firing a hot dog cannon at me. Like, how cool is that? And that's probably, honestly, for most people, that's probably going to be the reaction. That's true. But there's also an idea here to me of 
Hollywood still not quite getting it and thinking we're so important to you, the movie fan, that we can just interrupt your movie experience and you're going to love us for interrupting you because you're in our presence. It's still kind of, and does it, do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's still kind of about them, even though they're yeah. trying to make it about the fans. And I know that yeah. at, the, at the heart, that was what they were doing. I think, I think the, the, the spirit of it was incredibly, uh, incredibly sincere, but I think my standpoint as an audience watching the Oscars and from your standpoint as being someone who experiences the the sneak preview aspect of of this and and the special experience with that being interrupted i think does kind of sour that whole experience because you can there was enough about the oscars that first of all the oscars are, aren't really about us as an audience. I mean, we're in, we're enjoying the entertainment of the people being celebrated. So you don't really need to tell us that we're so great. We're going to get that from the, we're going to get that from the, from the speeches, you know, great. We're glad you go to movies because you're the ones that, that really ultimately support that. I mean, it's like, it's like a, a musician who says, man, we couldn't do it without the fans. I mean, it's kind of assumed, you know, yeah. you, you make a $200 million movie and nobody goes to see it. It's just, Yeah. You make it for people to go see. So it's kind of the, yeah, it's it's the obvious thing where we're going, we know we're, we're the people that you're making these for. I mean, you're making them for yourselves too, but I, the short answer is I don't think it was necessary. I, I didn't need to be courted and it had, I not been courted as an audience or as a, as a fan of film. Um, it wouldn't have come across as, you know, kind of a, Hey, look, Hollywood's great, you know, and look what we're doing for you. Yeah. That kind of thing. Well, that being said, overall, I was really pleased. I thought everything about it was was well done. I did miss a, a little bit of a – I, I kind of wanted Song and Dance with The Greatest Showman doing so well at the box office and breaking mm. records. You're shaking your head. Um, I, I mean, I just wanted some Hugh Jackman in that opening sequence somewhere or or something. Give me, give me something fun and, and happy and kind of musical. Uh, so, I mean, I, I thought Chemical did a – Chemical? Wow. No, that's not his name. Kimmel did a fantastic job with the monologues and with what he was saying, but I would have liked a little, maybe to mix it up a little bit there. Well, I tell you what, I laughed quite a bit mm-hmm. at this year's Oscars as a whole. And particularly that, that opening segment, I, I came home, I was, um, I was hanging out with our small group tonight. And so I had, I had the, the Oscars DVR and I was trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to catch up? if I'm delayed because there were other things I needed to get done. And I was like, I could always skip the opening model. No, I'm not going to skip this because I caught myself really wanting to make sure I caught all of Kimmel's bits because I like him as a comedian. And I feel like the way he set the Oscars up with that opening montage, with that, that radio esque voice in black and white and taking a little dig here and there at, at, you know, like here's Emma Stone here last year's, you know, best actress. Maybe she'll win again but she won't, you know, that kind of thing. I thought that those little bits were really kind of great intermixed with your, your old film that was interspersed with the, you know, the black and white of the, of the current, of the current Oscars. And it was just a great opening. Uh, I, yeah, I would have liked to see a song and dance, but I think it was fitting for, for Kimmel as the comedian and host. It was, and it was consistent throughout the entire show. It was very much the same tone and they maintained that. And I was, I was really appreciative of that. The set designs, 
this may be the most beautiful Oscars I've ever seen. I was stunned at these set designs. This, there's one in particular where Viola Davis comes out in this hot pink dress and they're just, it's red behind her. I don't know how to describe it. I can just tell you it is gorgeous. I mean, it, it looks amazing to me. And I, I was, I caught myself staring at them multiple times. So yeah, I really like that aspect of the show as well. I like the fact that he had, you know, the, the big statue, uh, on a, you know, stage, stage, uh, <laughs> stage, right. And the whole thing that he was saying he was like, this, to himself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like, he, what did he say? He is a statue of limitations. That's probably <laughs> one of the funniest jokes of the night. The like, best thing yeah. about him is he doesn't have a penis. Yeah, it's just really, really funny. And, uh, you know, only Kimmel, I think, can deliver a line like that. It was great. Well, let's uh, let's start getting into some of the awards and going through these. I want to preface this by saying I personally took a little bit of a vow at the beginning of this Oscar ceremony to really put forth positivity <laughs> this year and not get hung up on what I'm bummed about losing and remember that all of these nominees are worthy. Every single one of them is worthy of being nominated. Okay. They're there for a reason. They're fantastic performances. They're fantastic work. They're fantastic films. So maybe my favorites didn't get nominated. Maybe my favorites didn't win, but what did win deserves recognition. And what the Oscars should be about is celebrating movies, celebrating our love for movies, regardless of what movies are the ones, the very, very, very minuscule few that are getting these statues, right? So I want us to try and continue that. And at the same time, I know we're going to talk a little bit about some of the awards that we wish would have gone a different way. And we might mention why, but I just want to say up front that we both are really just happy that the Oscars exist because this is a fun experience. And as movie lovers, we sometimes let ourselves get caught up in that nightmare of bashing things we don't like to try and make up for the fact that the one we love the most isn't there. And it, it's, it's just silly. And I don't want to participate in that anymore. So that's kind of the framing for this, this conversation this year. So Patrick, first award, we always start off with something kind of big to get our juices flowing before we drop down to some of the boring stuff. Uh, and this year it was actor in a supporting role. Now the big deal was the four big acting awards or the four acting awards were all kind of, foregone conclusions as far as most predictions went. Everyone assumed these four were going to go the same way. Actor in a supporting role went to Sam Rockwell from three billboards outside Emming, Missouri, which is the person that everyone assumed it was going to go to. Um, I was completely fine with that. I thought he was an amazing. Uh, I know you and I both have a, a strong love for his career as a whole and for me, that's really what I took away from this. It, this was not my favorite of his his roles by far, and it's not my favorite movie. But man, Sam Rockwell has had an incredible career, and I was really happy to see him get some recognition. Yeah, he's uh, he's a guy that I've only recently come into contact with his filmography, particularly with Moon. And I, I haven't seen Three Billboards. I know it's pretty uh, pretty intense, and um, so I haven't gotten a chance to see it. So uh, there are going to be a a number of these where if I were going to make an objective opinion, it couldn't be objective because I hadn't seen the films, but I will say this. He, he's good. 
Like he's really good in the things that I've seen him in. And so to, to think he would deviate from that uh, would be a huge surprise. I think when you have a movie that gets multiple nominations in one category, it could make or break that movie, you know, because votes could split either way. But the things that I was reading about him and not that Woody Harrelson wasn't worthy of it, but that his performance was so, uh, so much more just significant. Uh, it, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that he was going to take home the, the trophy. Now, Willem Dafoe from the Florida project was who I would have picked again with my limited palette of, of movies that I've seen in this category. He, he comes across in terms of his performance as probably one of the strongest Willem Dafoe uh, performances that I've seen to date. Almost Green Goblin good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Almost Green Goblin good. Kidding. You know, if he, if he'd had a mask on during the Florida project, I think he would have just completely swept by Sam Rockwell. Well, Willem Dafoe was my personal uh, choice as well. And Willem Dafoe was the choice of our listeners too. So Willem Dafoe is our best supporting actor for the 2018 Feeler's Choice Award uh, from the Florida Project. So yay, I was excited to see that. I actually didn't know that enough of our listeners had sought out and seen the Florida Project to be able to get him pushed through. So that was a, a welcome sight. All right, moving on. Next up was makeup and hairstyling. This is one of those weird awards where it has like three nominees instead of five. I don't know why. It makes no sense to me at all. <laughs> um, kind of a, a an assumed winner was going to be Darkest Hour for this one uh, because of the transformative work with Gary Oldman making him into Winston Churchill. But my heart really wanted Augie and Jacob Tremblay uh, from Wonder to get some love here, mainly because we expected Gary Oldman to be able to win that Best Actor Oscar later. And I thought that that kind of was a good enough <laughs> representation for that group. Right. And I would have loved to see Wonder get this, but it did go to Darkest Hour for makeup and hairstyling. Any thoughts on that one? Or Yeah, I was fine with that. I think that like you, Wonder is one of those things where the, the <sighs> I don't want to be a pun here, but the augmentation of the actor's face was yeah, the augmentation. Uh, it was significant to the point of the film. You know, it was his, it was his deformity that was one of the main plot points. And I thought that when you, when you're dealing with something like that, uh, when you're dealing with movies that I think fantasy films should get this kind of love as well. This is why I'm like you, I get frustrated that we have a limited number of nominees and why that is. It doesn't make sense to me. Because all these other ones have five, you know four or five, and I guess the Oscars have like seven or ten, or the Best Picture has you know upwards of what's well, had upwards of twelve before. So why give this one a limited amount? Because I think that there's some truth to the fact that it does add more character development to the folks that are being kind of put in place, and it should give more spotlight to the people that are putting all that time into creating these these people. Um, Darkest Hour was definitely worthy and definitely worthy of the thing. But I, I think Wonder is one of those movies that the makeup and hairstyling without it, it wouldn't have been as impactful. Yep. I'm with you. hundred percent agree. Uh, next up there. Oh, there is no feeler's choice award for makeup and hairstyle. We do not have an award for that. Next up is the costume design award. Uh, this went to Phantom Thread, Mark Bridges, 
was the winner of this one. It's made my heart very happy because I wanted Phantom Thread to win all of the awards this year, and uh, they did not. They won this one. <laughs> so as long as they got one, I was going to be happy. It was going to be kind of an upset if this went to anything other than this. The tweets when this award got announced were pretty obvious. You know, they were a lot of digs, a lot of people saying, oh, look, the Oscar for best costume design went to the movie about costume design. What a shocker. But you know what? Haters get out because this movie has phenomenal costumes. I don't care if it's about dressmaking. That's fine, but you still have to do it at an elite level, and I feel like Bridges did. And you know what? He got a jet ski for it, too. That's true. That's true. And and looking at the other nominees, my initial knee-jerk reaction would have been something like Shape of Water and Beauty and the Beast. But the thing is, yes, there are fantastic costumes in both, but it's really those movies are really driven by production and CG and the visual side of things. So like there's a there's a there's a more balanced uh kind of production that includes costumes but doesn't necessarily dominate with i mean again like like makeup and hairstyling the costume itself the cost everything has to add to the story and without it it would feel lost and i I think that the phantom thread is is right up there in terms of yes i was one of the punsters that said of course it should get the the oscar because you know it's the phantom thread you know but at the same time there's some truth behind the fact of why it was nominated and that's the reason why they are strong strong costumes in this yeah, they sure are. Now, we do have a 2018 Feeler's Choice Award for Best Costume Design, Patrick. And the winner is... The winner is... Oh, you wanted me to announce it. Okay. The winner Phantom is... Phantom Thread! Uh-huh. So our wonderful listeners agree that costumes about movies with costumes work. All right. I'm happy about that, too. So good job, listeners. Plus one in the Aaron world. Okay. <laughs> Documentary feature was up next. This one, these are becoming more and more important to me. Um, and more, the more I see them, the more I care about them, the more I see the impact that they can have uh, as far as importance goes. And, you know, there's, there's a level of that in film. We talk about all the time, social, social importance and relevance. But documentaries deal with that in a, a very direct manner, and there's no question about it. it. It is what they're about. And so I have really started to love them. Everyone that has listened to us for any amount of time knows that, Patrick, you absolutely adore documentaries as well. So yes. the nominees in this field um, were a good group of documentaries. However, there's only a couple in here that are among my top five or so of the year even. Um, and those two would be Faces Places, my number one, and Icarus, uh, my number two, three, four, somewhere in that range, to be in my top five. Um, I think that the prevailing thought was that Faces Places was going to win this. Agnes Farda, the famed French auteur who is in her like late 80s, I believe she's like 89 or 91, maybe she's like 91 or something because I think she's older than the Oscars. She was one of the two nominees, her and James Ivory that are older Mm. than the Oscars. Uh, She and JR, this photographer, travel around the countryside in a little makeshift van thing and take pictures, huge pictures. Like they're like life-size Polaroids of different places they visit. And they just post them up on people's barns and on water towers. And you know what? It brought me so much joy watching this documentary. I really thought for sure it was a lock, but I was wrong, Patrick. 
Yes, I was disappointed as well. And this is one, sadly enough, I have not seen the other four docs. I ju- I've just seen Faces Places. Uh, Icarus needs to be Ooh. on my list to see, not just because it became the winner, but I've heard so many good things about it. And it's just about spending time sitting down and doing it. So uh, as we've uh, as we've talked about, uh, documentaries do something that films, I mean, they tell stories just like any other film, but they do so with subject matter that you're, already saying this is true. I mean, yes, there is definitely a slant to a documentary feature. I mean, you're, you're telling a story, you're making a point, whether it's a political point or a social point or an emotional point, you're, you're telling your own story. But the thing about docs that I have adored is the fact that these are regular people. It's like, (laughs) it's like a, a purified reality show for me. You know, I don't get the, the BS from, from from drama that's trying to be manufactured from mm-hmm. real people. I'm getting just real people doing real things and faces places for me is that's what I fell in love with. There's these two people that I, I don't remember exactly what the quote was, but I believe it was said probably about the last third of the film that they wanted to make, they wanted to tell people's stories right? while at the same time, getting to know the people themselves. Mm -hmm. And I thought there was something wonderful about that, about being able to understand more of the world around them outside of their own villages and their own towns. And at the same time, bring something of value to the folks that they come into contact with and the way in which they did that through this common medium, but through different means, like, you know, pasting stuff up on, uh, on old, uh, uh, condemned housing and, um, new neighborhoods and, and rock faces. It's just, it was just wonderful. Yeah. And I wanted it to win only because my affinity for it was so strong. But the things I've heard about Icarus, uh, it, it doesn't surprise me that it won. And I'm sure that I'll love it just as much um, once I see it. Well, I think you will. Uh, it is a high octane, fast paced documentary. And I think that the thing that probably works in Icarus's favor is the voting was going on at the same time as the lead up to and the beginning of the Winter Olympics. And Icarus is literally a documentary that exposed the doping of the Russian Federation in a way that led to its athletes being removed from participation in the Winter Olympics, many of them as a country. So this movie's tie-in to the Olympics is is intricate and it is it is direct. And so I feel like there may be some sense of kind of timeliness to its win that goes along here. And and it really is important. I mean, this is one of the first documentaries I've ever known to result in something so real. So, I mean, this is just a, the guy just starts off as, you know, a former cyclist who begins to dope himself in order to see if the effects, he wants to see if it works and he wants to know, does it really make me faster? right? Something we've all kind of wondered, but he crazily enough injects himself and does it. And he does so by working with this person in Russia, getting in contact and starting to bring over the drugs. And before you know it, you realize the person he's working with runs the entire underground Russian athletics federation doping program. And I mean, the stories that come out of this are unbelievable, but they're true. (laughs) And that's what makes it crazy. So Icarus to me is a very worthy winner and I hope lots of people check it out. It's on Netflix, so it's it's easily accessible. Feeler's Choice Award, our listeners, you all, you chose Faces Places, which 
We've just talked about in depth. So yay, good job. We are not surprised that the Phelan Film Award went to the movie that really makes you feel quite a bit. So (laughs) yay to to that. And congrats to Agnes Varda and JR for that award. The next two on the list, we do not have a Feeler's Choice Award for. We dropped, oh, I lied. We do. We do have one, one of the two. Uh, Sound editing and sound mixing, those two lovely awards that no one knows the difference between. Patrick, any any thoughts on this? I'll just they both went to Dunkirk uh, in the Oscars, which is yeah, pretty it, much expected. Well, I, I wonder. I haven't. I, I I'm trying to think back to Oscars past. Is that typical that sound editing and sound mixing go to the same same I people? Feel like it is, but I could be just imagining it. I I think that it's one that every year I think what is the difference, and I always have to look it up on the internet. And I'm glad that we we did these last year because I found the definition that you actually quoted that I said last year. So you quoted a quote, I think from, (laughs) from a quote that I did a year ago. Um, I think when it comes to sound, if it's going to add to a film's story, I think Dunkirk is the appropriate film to do that. This is one of those movies that when you watch it, I was explaining it to somebody who hadn't seen it. And I said, you've got to go into it, not expecting to have a an, a normal war movie experience and part of the reason that is is because the sound is so jarring the way in which sound effects are used the way in which um dialogue is muffled adds to this sense of just confusion and weirdness and just kind of uncomfortableness discomfort and i think when it, when you think about sound editing and sound mixing dunkirk seems like the appropriate winner because it elevated Dunkirk for me. I mean, it, it was something that was noticeable, but noticeable in its intent and noticeable very intentionally. It didn't seem like it was like, man, that's weird. Uh, whereas in the past, I think sound editing and sound mixing goes to a film where everything is just kind of cut together uh, really nicely. Sound effects were used well, and then they're placed correctly and they're all this stuff. But, you know, these two categories, I think, should go hand in hand because I think it's a same, it's the same team essentially. So you might as well just, I personally would love to combine them if I were an Oscar guy, you know, if I were in charge, but I doubt the guys that are working on the sound mixing and be like, no, 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 We're not that. All five of these awards, all five nominees are the exact same. Now there are a couple extra people on the mixing teams compared to the editing teams. So it's like a couple extra guys or, or yeah. folks, some but interns. <laughs> they are the exact same nominees. So yeah, they clearly usually go to the same films. Um, but anyway, I agree with you hundred percent. I think Dunkirk was the right choice. And I think that it's because that sound was so immersive to the experience. It was a vital part of it. It made the movie. I saw something on Twitter that triggered me and I was like, Nope, Aaron, you're being good. This Oscars, you're not going to argue. You're not going to fight where somebody was saying that, Oh, look, another Nolan movie won a sound award for some stuff that I couldn't even hear dialogue in the theater. (laughs) And yeah, I'm being snarky right now because that ticks me off because you don't, the point is that that's, that's Nolan's intention. Everything it's the purpose is for it to be loud. The purpose is for it to rattle your brain. If you don't like that, that's fine. You can say that then done incorrectly, right? Because it is in done on purpose. Like you said, it is done intentionally. And when it's done that way, it clearly resonated with a ton of folks who have done Kirk Raider as one of the highest movies of the year. 
and one of the best picture nominees. So I absolutely agree with you. Now, who did not agree with that is the overall listeners of Feelin' Film Podcast because our winner for the 2018 Feelers Choice Award was not Dunkirk, Patrick. Do you have a guess or do you know what it was? Yes, I do. And what it was might it be? Baby Driver. All right. And I would you know, I would agree with that. I would too. I, I, I would, too clearly. You know, I would I would put it in there with um best is there is is there like best editing? I don't think there's a best editing category. I think cinematography would be the closest thing or best visual effects. But I think this is the closest we get to it with sound editing because of the fact that the songs in the film work so cohesively with the scenes as they were taking place. I mean, they fit, they were supporting actors in this, uh, in this movie. And uh, so I, I did not disagree with that, with that winner at all. Me either. I thought that was great. And uh, you know, w- there's a lot of love for baby driver in our nominations. So I was not surprised to see it pop up with uh, a trophy, a, an emoji trophy, I guess we should call them at, at one point. All right. Next up was production design. Um, this this was my first kind of hurt moment of the Oscars for me. Uh, I really, really wanted this to go to Blade Runner 2049. That being said, I could not tell you how much I agree. Like I, I don't disagree, rather, with the winner being the shape of water for this award. I think their production do- design is exquisite. It's beautiful. Um, the, the cinematography and the production design are probably, and maybe the score, are the the three things that I really loved about that movie, even though I didn't like the movie itself very much. And so I was stuck here because I want my movie, Blade Runner 2049, the one I absolutely think is a masterpiece. I want that one to win, but uh, I can't argue with this getting an award for production design. Yeah, as I was looking at the nominees, Beauty and the Beast stood out to me. I thought that was fantastic. Uh, Blade Runner 2049, like you was was definitely the front runner for me having not seen the shape of water only little bits and pieces of it i could only just trust that the the right movie won <laughs> uh but but those were my top 3 of the nominees and i think that um or at least blade runner and beauty and the beast but i i look at it i look at shape of water and i and i think you know what if you can do something beautiful with Aquaman or lizard, you know, <laughs> then, you know, you're doing something right. And I, I've just got to trust that, that that was the right pick. All right. Well, after that, we move on to there. Was, oh, there is no feelers choice award for production design. Uh, there's also no feelers choice award for best foreign language film. So listeners out there who are big lovers of foreign cinema, please come join our group because until there are more of you, we don't have enough people to really manufacture a valid foreign language film winner because no one's watching the movies. I actually think this is a problem every year with most voting bodies, Patrick, including my own the Seattle Film Critics Society and to my, my guess, the Academy voters. These foreign language films are just not that accessible. And so when we do get them, they're a little bit more difficult to like schedule a time for. You can't just pop them in. You got to pop them in when a time when you can really focus and make sure you're, you're paying attention to subtitles and things of that nature. And so I wonder how many of them get watched, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for that reason, we don't, we don't have a feeler's choice award of, of this yet. I would like to in the future though. 
Yeah, the thing about the Oscars is that it's the fact that you have a foreign language film is indicative of the fact that your awards are very much you know ethnocentric. <laughs> they're American they're American films. And so it sort of adds to the problem of foreign language film. Like you as as someone who fights to get to the movie theater for the podcast and and see see these movies and get exposure to to more films when I can honestly it's just really difficult for me to motivate myself to pop in a a film from across the con- across the globe i'm not it's not that it may be me being ethnocentric but more so i think it's the fact that there's just so much out there to consume and when you have an event like the oscars that sort of asks you to watch a large number of films the foreign language category just gets lost in that and i, I i'm i'm saddened by that because it does take an effort to sit down and watch because you've got subtitles and you don't really know what the subject matter is. And you're sort of ingratiating yourself to another culture altogether, not just language, but also just a whole different kind of society. And so you're having, you're really having to work to give yourself as an, as much of an unbiased vantage point as you can. Otherwise it's just something that you're going to look up and down from your phone you know, every five minutes to make sure you're not missing anything. And that's, that's, that's a terrible way to look at approaching foreign language films because films are films and they should be celebrated no matter where you live. I'm sure if there were an Oscars in France and a foreign language film nominee came from the U S I don't, I don't know if it would get as much love as like, you know, the opposite of that, but there are, and that is how it works. Yes. There's, there are definitely, you know, best American film awards at other film festivals over the seas. Now, the way I see it is a lot of times the Oscars serve as a means of putting one to maybe five for people that really pay attention to the nominees, putting those films on people's radars so that after the fact, they know like those are the ones they may go seek out. But yeah, you're absolutely right, Patrick. If someone's trying to completely see all the films that are nominated, by the time they make it to, they're not going to make it to the foreign language films, most likely. So all that being said, uh, the winner went to a fantastic woman. Uh, the winner is from Chile, Daniela Varga, Vega, Daniela Vega, I believe is the actress. And she is the uh, transgendered woman who is at the, the helm of this picture. Uh, the one that, it, the one whose story it kind of tells. I don't know much about it. I haven't seen it. I didn't get around to it either. Unfortunately, I did watch several foreign language films this year and the ones I loved uh, and none of them are nominated. So yeah, there we go. That being said, I, I can't really speak to this other than I will say that those critics in the Seattle film critics society that have seen it have raved about it and say it is phenomenal. Um, it is another progressive pick. Uh, it is recognizing uh, a piece of slice of society that has not had Oscar nominations before and has not had Oscar recognition before. So in that regard, good on them. If it's a worthy film, then that's awesome. It must be. And uh, happy for that. Next up, actress in a supporting role. We get another big one before a slew of some, some other technical and shorts. The actress in a supporting role. This is a much debated category. I would say. Allison Janney was the front runner. Uh, of those four that we talked about earlier that we assumed would be winners. Laurie Metcalf was probably the number one contender here. 
Uh, and that was going to be, if there was going to be an upset, it was probably going to be Metcalf. My favorite personally was Leslie Manville of Phantom Thread of the nominees. Man, wow. Patrick, are you surprised by the choice going to Allison Janney here at all? Completely biased, but no, I'm not. Because of the of the five, again, I've only seen a couple of these. I saw Lady Bird and I, Tanya. And my heart goes to Allison Janney. I've loved her since the days on the West Wing. She's a strong female uh, in her acting roles. I've seen her in, in a number of things. And so falling in love with her on that television show... And then watching her in this make that transformation into the just brutal uh, mom of Tanya Harding. Uh, as much as I disagreed with with some of the film, I thought her performance was probably for what the filmmakers were trying to do in terms of in terms of maybe exaggerating or maybe even not exaggerating this this story or amplifying it. She just threw herself into this role. And I'm not going to say that I know enough about the acting process and how to appreciate what a real actor or actress does, like what's worthy of this. But, you know, there's something to be said about physical abuse and mental abuse and being able to deliver that to get your audience to feel something of fear and discomfort. And I think she does that. I think the ways in which the portions of the film that, that she um, acts towards a young Tanya Harding and an older Tanya Harding are just incredibly um, visceral, I think is the word I would use. And so her performance is uncomfortable, but it's uncomfortable because it needs to be. And she communicates this, this idea that this is a woman who is unapologetic about who she is. You know, she's unapologetic about how she grew up. And that's what defined her. And it's not, it's not going to be someone, she's not going to be changed by anybody, which Alice and Janie brought that to the role. Well, I'm not going to try to say it any better than that, because I think you're spot on. I think she's phenomenal uh, in this. And I'm just really glad that she thanked the bird because I was going to be upset if she didn't, but she did. So good for her for giving some of that credit where credit is due. Yeah. Now the 2018 Feelers Choice Award, it was also pretty hotly contested, but it was not with Allison Janney. A second actress came up and almost was, was, was pretty close to our winner. And that was Anna de Armas of Blade Runner 2049. She played Joy the hologram. Yeah. And she was, she was very close to sneaking this win out. So I just wanted to point that out. Pretty cool. Uh, I like seeing nominations like that in the feelers choice awards that you don't expect to ever see in the Oscars, but Hey, um, pretty cool. She didn't make it. I would have loved to seen her win this because I thought Joy's performance was definitely feeling film worthy. For but sure. Our, our winner that our listeners picked, Patrick, was? That would be Laurie Metcalf of ah, Lady Bird. There we go. So in a way, they both get to be recognized, one by us and one by the Oscars. So congrats, Laurie. Uh, Laurie was awesome. And I, I got to admit, I mean, I understand the draw to this performance. Um, it is very good. And she does a wonderful job. So I can I can get why so many feelers really connect with her performance and, and picked hers. And I and I think that something has to do with it too, that, you know, again, back with when people get to see movies, if people don't have a chance to see Itanya until early February, then more people at that point have seen Ladybird. And so she's more of a viable candidate for them. 
at that point. Right. And you know, that's always going to be a problem for films in general. The later they release, if they don't have the marketing behind them to get them seen in a hurry and to get them in front of people's eyes, you know, who knows? Margot Margot Robbie very well may have been an equal candidate for best actress uh, if this film had released earlier and had the push behind it necessary to get her there. Yeah. All right. So animated short film. We were blessed, I will say, to be able to watch all five uh, animated shorts, live action shorts and documentary shorts. I picked with my heart mostly, unfortunately, and it didn't go so well. The animated short film category in particular, I will have to tell you, Patrick, I think that these are all four or five wonderful. I rewatched them all this morning before the Oscars for a second time uh, with my kids. And that was just, man, a lot of fun. And I had kind of, the one that I didn't love was Revolting Rhymes, but it, it got a lot better for me the second time around. I think it was the the chuckling of my kids in the background constantly at all of the jokes that were happening right. that made me realize that it was it was having a, a better effect on uh, on them and in in somehow by connection it did for me too so i would have been fine with any and all of these winning kobe bryant is my favorite basketball player of all the t- all time full disclosure so i was totally okay if he became oscar winner kobe bryant uh, my personal pick for this was negative space i'm only bringing that up because i think people need to seek these films out if they can find them i really love all of them negative space is emotionally powerful at the end of it my kids said wow that was heavy (laughs) (laughs) at the end of garden party or during at the beginning of garden party uh probably the best animation in my opinion um they had the same reaction i did they were like dad is this animation they thought it was real that's the that's Mm. what they that they said about the film and it was the same thing that i thought when i saw garden party i thought that it was like this is not animation this is actual live action right like that that's a real car Nope. It's just really good animation. So those are my thoughts. Um, yeah. Dear basketball one, un- unsurprising, I suppose. Give Kobe the, give Kobe the Oscar. Kobe that, that Dean and John Williams, like how was, how is that not going to win? Well, yeah. I mean, it, the thing is the animated short film category surprises me every year because I, I like this category a lot because as we talked about a little bit on our uh, with with Adam Rakoff, animation gives storytellers an opportunity to say things in ways that you couldn't do with standard film, and that's what I was looking for in these five shorts. Which is why Dear Basketball was my emotionally connective favorite. I'm glad that it won, but a close second was Garden Party, and for me. It wasn't just that the animation was realistic. Actually, that wasn't even something that came across my mind whenever I was watching. It's beautifully animated. No problem. But the way in which it tells this story, I love the fact that I can't tell you too much about this five minute animated short without giving away too much because it starts giving you clues as to what's going on in it. And so if I'm going to say seek out of an animated short to watch of these five, seek that out first. Seek Garden Party out then check out Dear Basketball, then check out Negative Space, check out Lou, and then finish off with Revolting Rhymes. That would be my ranking as far as like if you can get your hands on these. And I think iTunes, when these things come out, I think they release them as a package, iTunes or Google Play or or some of your online services. So I would say if you're going to watch them, 
if you're doing the the patch chrono- chronology or patch favorites, go with go with that. Garden Party, Dear Basketball, Negative Space, Lou Revolting Rhymes. They all offer something completely different from each other. And I think that's what makes them so great is that you get something different from each one. Completely agree. It's one of the most diverse groups of nominees of any of these awards. Um, you can, I won't give you the Aaron order, but you can look on our, our website, feelandfilm.com, and you can find a 2018 short films blog post where Patrick and I have uh, combined reviews of all 15 of these. And you can tell what our star ratings are and what we would suggest by going there and reading a couple sentences about each one from each of us. We didn't do the short films for our Feelers Choice Awards again because just not access to see them. So people couldn't really vote on them. Next big one was the animated feature film. Um, probably the most luckiest luck of the night, I would say. You're shaking your head. Um, you know, this category, whatever. It is what it is. Ferdinand's nominated. And that's, I'm going to start getting out of my positivity if we talk about this much longer. Uh, Coco was the winner in this category. Coco was the deserving winner in this category. Absolutely. Um, Pixar, this was not a Pixar hand me win, in my opinion. This was a Pixar deserved win. Pixar, this film is wonderful. Coco is a joy. It is about representation that for a group that has never had it before. I told this story real briefly on our Poco, Poco? Poco. It's late. Uh, On our Coco podcast uh, about how I was at a screening and had uh, a man a Hispanic man at the end of it tapped me on the shoulder at the end and said, Hey, are you, a, are you press? And I said, yes. And he said, well, can I ask you what you thought of the film? I'd love to know what you observed of our culture. And I was like, Whoa, this is, I'm scared. Like, what if I say the wrong thing? But I told him I was honest with him. And uh, he said that he was very pleased to hear that I reacted so strongly to it because it was a very good representation and it was accurate and it did not treat it with anything other than the most utter respect. So Coco is great. And I think it was of these nominees, hands down the best. That is the exact phrase I would use of these nominees. It was a hands down winner. Here's where I get frustrated. And I, you know what? Just like with you and the kids with watching these animated shorts, um, we took my son to see Ferdinand and it's not, I mean, it's not spectacular, but he laughed and that made me laugh. And so I was happy to, to experience that with him. Uh, we tried to convince him to see the greatest showman instead. He balked and I was, you know, somewhat disappointed, but we had a good time anyway. The, the thing is though, and this happened several years ago with the Lego movie is what you classify as an animated film. To me, if Lego Batman had been in this category, had been one of these nominees, you would not have had any question from me as to what my pick would have been. And it would have, in my opinion, been a close race from the standpoint of between Coco and, and Lego Batman. Cue the because, music. <laughs> all great award shows start with Kimmel. Uh, no, in the black and black. Uh, and I, and I get slightly frustrated because if these movies like Lego Batman, the Lego movie don't get nominated because of a technicality, because they are, are a certain percentage of animation, but not a full or, or something like that. It's, it's sad because they should get an accolade. I mean, there is a huge amount of production that goes into these and a huge amount of creative storytelling that goes into these. Uh, 
in my opinion, much more than maybe these other ones. I would take out Boss Baby in an instant to to put in something like Lego Batman. Um, and 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 that that's my only beef is that your exclusion of other films because they don't meet a specific criteria. Maybe it's just I, I, give me a nomination at least. Yeah, no, I'm with you 100% on the Lego Batman train. Uh, Lego Batman was nominated for our Feelers Choice Awards because we are not going to exclude things like that. Uh, it got quite a few votes uh, for the best animated feature. It did not rank in the top two, though. Uh, Coco came in second, Patrick. A very close second. Which means that the 2018 Feelers Choice Award goes to a movie that was not eligible for this year's Oscar. It was eligible for the 2017 Oscars. However, did not get nominated, did not have enough buzz around it at the time because it had not really been fully released in America until April of 2017. So what is that movie? What is our 2018 Feelers Choice Award for Animated Feature? I'm happy to say it is your name. Woo! This is Aaron being happy and totally okay with whatever else happens. I don't care anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I love it, man. I'm yeah. so stoked. Uh, I, I got to also say, the listeners, thank you. Thank you for trusting us because this is a movie that I can guarantee you would not have even made it through to a nomination, much less beaten out a movie like Coco that people actually voted on as their best picture of the year. If it wasn't for the people on our show listening to my recommendation, listening to your recommendations and seeking out this movie based on the fact that we said how much we loved it. We talked about it a lot. We do that with several films and I, I just, it means a lot to me and I know it does to you too, to have you guys trust us like that and know that you were able to go out and see a film and then have an equally amazing emotional experience just like we did with it. And obviously because you all voted for it for, your best animated feature. So th there's multiple layers of why this makes me so happy. And that's, that's one of them. Okay. Next up was our visual effects category. Now this is a really strong category. The one film that's missing here that I thought kind of was a snub in the nominee race is actually Valerian and the city of a thousand planets. There's not anything else I would recommend about that movie, <laughs> to be honest with you. But the visuals in it are stunning, and I, I have no idea why it's not nominated here. So that was a little bit of a letdown. Uh, that being said, War for the Planet of the Apes, I think, was probably the assumed winner going into this, but it didn't win. Yeah, I was disappointed. Um, when I when I look at the nominees, they're all fantastic. And I think if you had given it to any of these, I, I would... I'm not going to say I wouldn't be disappointed because I was disappointed that it didn't win, but it, it would make complete sense for any one of these to be, to be given the, uh, the word winner next to them. And I was glad that Blade Runner 2049 got it because there was so much about it that was immersive in terms of the visuals. But man, for me, War for the Planet of the Apes, I just, I don't think this franchise as a whole gets enough love. And I think that this would have been a nice way to kind of pay it a little bit of tribute for what it's done as a trilogy. You know, it started out as kind of a cool movie, James Franco, got a little, little monkey named Caesar. And then it turned into something a little bit more. And then by the time we get to War for the Planet of the Apes, you and I 
you know, the two people who I guess matter most on this planet agree that it's probably one of, the, one of the best trilogies that we've seen in the last 25 years. And I think we both would say it's, it's up there with your Indiana Joneses and your back to the futures and things like that because of the, the fact that it gets better with each entry. And so, you know, it, it didn't have a lot of nominations and I'm look, this is me being political, but give it, give it the award, give it, give it what it's nominated for because it's not nominated for anything else really. So give it, you know, give it something because it deserves to have some kind of recognition for being a fantastic movie trilogy, even though the award is going to one movie for one kind of minor award, at least show it some love that way. Yeah, it is very disappointing that it didn't at least get some Return of the King type love by getting something. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, one of our uh, contributors, Don Shanahan, was saying after the fact in our group chat that, you know, this trilogy has gotten zero Academy Awards. And that is a travesty. I, I, I can't even, I just, I'm shocked, to be honest. It's gotten zero Oscars. Um, it, it's going to be recognized as one of the greatest that we've ever had. So there is that you can go watch these movies and the awards don't really matter, but I would have loved to seen this visual effects award kind of stand in for the lack of an, an Oscar nomination for Andy circus directly, since they're unwilling to give him a best actor nomination would have been great. You know, give him visual effects, which is essentially you're essentially giving him that through that, that award. But no, that being said, it went to Blade Runner 2049, which it's hard for me to be upset about because obviously I love Blade Runner and I think that the film has incredible visual effects as well. Um, it was my clear number two, so that's good. But I, I too really wished for that War for the Planet of the Apes. But what happened with the Feeler's Choice Award? Let's see what the poll said and what the, what the award was given. I'm happy to say that the award went to war for the planet of the apes. It did. So the, as feelers, it should have. the feelers got it. And I will also add that it went to that by a large margin. There was really no question in this. This was one of the bigger races, bigger gaps. So war for the planet of the apes was dominant uh, victor in the feelers choice awards. So Andy circus, we would be happy to present this to you in person uh, at a Chipotle or a restaurant of your choice. Chipotle. What well, that's if world? we're buying. I mean, Subway maybe. Let's go to Subway. So yeah, five dollar footlongs. Hey, I mean, if he's gonna pay, then we can ramp it up a little bit, maybe. Just a little bit. Yeah, we'll we'll hit, we'll hit up like bonefish or something. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> or make it yeah something with bananas. <laughs> I can't eat bananas. Those aren't keto. Okay, okay well, digress. Next up is uh, film editing. Is that something we do an award for? I don't think so. No, don't it, that it, no, and and I think I'm just gonna say this. Now. I think we should put that back. I think we should make that one of the categories for next year because this is okay. what I was talking about we in terms of in terms of Baby Driver. This would have been the one that I would have put uh, that that I wanted to see take take the Oscar this year. It was nominated uh, along with um, along with I Tanya, Shape of Water, and Three Billboards. Dunkirk takes the trophy. And I don't disagree with that. But for me, Baby Driver is one of those movies that the visuals and the way things are cut together really amplify. When you mix, when you mix that with sound editing, I think that really takes Baby Driver to another level in terms of being just a fun movie to experience, not just watch. I think you're spot on, man. I really do. I mean, I, I kind of went and picked the posh, non-Dunkirk pick, which was I, Tanya coming into the season. I definitely have no disagreement at all with this award going to Dunkirk 
because of the way that this movie, but the way that film editing played a role in how this film transpires, it's a big deal. And, and so I thought that it was kind of like you were saying earlier, an integral part of how the movie works, like with wonder and the makeup, but it also is like that for baby driver. And it equally. So um, you're absolutely right. Those quick cuts to like his hand on the shifter and then to him turning, putting his sunglasses on and then to him looking in the mirror, you know, like all of that amplifies that experience big time. So um, baby driver, I would have been happy with, but I, I love that Lee Smith got recognized. He's, he's been long deserving and yeah, his work in Dunkirk. I, I just, I'm glad that Nolan's movie got some love. Yeah. And, and let me just say this about, about that is as I'm thinking about baby driver, it's a movie that it's not constantly doing that. Like what you describe is one scene of the film and it's granted it's repeated several times. And those are the scenes that I think we call attention to, but Dunkirk there's constant editing, constant movement, constant shifting of, of visuals. And to me, I think that's where Dunkirk kind of elevates itself above baby driver is that it was a constant thing. It felt like there was more work that went into taking a movie like this and sculpting the narrative visually to create this sense of disjointedness and, and jarringness that we got. So it, to me, as I'm talking through that, I'm going, yeah, Dunkirk really should have gotten the award and I'm glad I did. All right. Well, the next two are the documentary uh, short subject and live action short film, again, not covered by the Feelers Choice Awards. These, Patrick, we got to see them all uh, without going too deep into them. There is that article out there on the on the blog, on the website, feelandfilm.com, that, that gives all of our reviews for all 15 of these. Please seek that out for more in depth. But a documentary short subject was a toss up a million ways. Uh, Edith and Eddie was really good. I've heard that was the favorite. Um, I had heard heroin might be the favorite. I thought heroin was fantastic and was kind of my favorite. So I went with it because it was about three women trying to help stop this heroin epidemic that I really didn't even realize existed. And it made me very sad. Um, knife skills is awesome. I'll let you talk about that one. Cause I know you love it. Yeah. Knife skills was clearly my favorite of the five. I'm, I'm going to be a fan of anything when it comes to culinary Art and when you combine that with a a feel good redemption story, I think as you mentioned in your in your write up, you're just going to give me aces across the board when it comes to that. It was not only enjoyable from that standpoint, but it's just a well told story. It's it it creates the sense of just understanding what life is like, what life can be like after uh, after prison. But there, but in and of itself, it was just a really great doc. All of these. I say all, almost all of these were really good in their own way. I think traffic stop is the only one that I had some kind of issue with. Um, I think that you're trying, there's a lot that was trying to be done in 30 minutes that I don't think worked as effectively for me specifically. And I mean, that could be another conversation altogether. Um, they were all deserving of the doc short, but I was surprised that heaven is a traffic jam on the 405. It was probably the most visceral for me in terms of my emotional connection to it. Mm-hmm. it I didn't feel, I, I felt sad and I wanted to, I think I wrote in my, I, I wrote in my write up the, uh, I wanted to hug this woman. Yeah. I wanted to tell her things were going to be okay. And um, they weren't. So I, I would encourage everybody to to check those out. I would too. Yeah. Worthy winner again. They're They're all very good. Um, so please seek those out. We definitely highly recommend, I think both of, we've talked about this offline that, you know, these shorts have 
elevated as well for us uh, as a genre, I guess, of film that we don't pay a lot of attention to outside of this time of year and these this group of 15. But it's something I would love to see more of. I really have enjoyed those, and I know you have too. So, Well, they're, yeah. they're easily digestible. I mean, They really are. In, in a time when, for whatever reason, you and I are both pretty busy with our own lives, these are really great things to digest within, you know, the 10 to 20 minute time frame. The, you know, the doc shorts are six to seven minutes or I'm sorry, the, the short films are, uh, are five to seven minutes. The animated ones are usually four to six. And, you know, the docs are the only ones that are lengthy and they're only about 30 to 40. I love those time frames, man. Love Me too. Um, next up was live action short film uh, next to the animated category. I thought this one was just, just almost as stacked. Gosh, uh, these films are all incredible. Four of them pack an emotional punch uh, big time. Yeah. Three of which like serious emotional punch. Um, mm-hmm. One of which is a little more of an inspirational type thing. And then the 11 o'clock, which is one of the, the best shorts I've seen in, in years yeah. uh, as a comedy. Uh, it was the one that I showed my kids first today. They were really excited because they kind of heard about that one and they they loved it. They just were like, you looking over at me constantly trying to figure it out. It was so much fun. Um, yay. Just go Australia, man. Anything with Australian humor is aces. But, um, well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't just the Australian humor. It was the fact that we got this, uh, we got this who's on first, uh, inspired set of dialogue. I mean, it's just great screenwriting. It really is. I and mean, when we get is. these two people that can deliver this back and forth, uh, almost nonsensical dialogue, it's just so funny. And, um, and it was my clear favorite or at least the one I wanted to win. I didn't think it would, but, uh, but it was, yeah, it was the one I wanted to win as well. Uh, although I think we both picked DeKalb elementary. We both agreed. Mm -hmm. I mean, as far as craftsmanship go and impact go. Yeah. Okay. This movie, and I've watched it twice now and it is just gutted me both times. This most recent time was after the shooting in Florida that we just had. Mm -hmm. And I just, it's hard. I, I think everybody needs to seek it out. Because if nothing else, the thing about DeKalb Elementary is it's a brief depiction of a 911 call at a school in Georgia. And it's just a receptionist in the school's the secretary. And it kind of plays out. This kid walks in with an assault rifle and it's how she deals with it. And her actions and the way that she interacts with him in this moment to me is something that is a lesson that everybody could take away from watching this short film and think about if they were ever in this position, God forbid yeah. uh, the movie stripped down. It doesn't have a score. It doesn't have effects. And that was really effective to me. Yeah. Here's what, here's what connected me with it was this idea of using a piece of like an artifact from, from the moment, the nine one one call was what inspired it. It reminded me a lot of Fruitvale station in terms of being like, okay, we're going to use what we know, this piece of media that we can queue up at any given time and hear it, and we can craft the story around it by creating interpretation. That, to me, is what separated it from uh, from from my nephew Emmett, The Silent Child, and Watu Wote. All three of those had some emotional connection to them, but this one felt like we were getting almost a peek into the a, a real life thing. You know, Watu Wote was based on something real. I think my nephew Emmett was based on a real event and the silent child, which man, it really surprised me that it won. 
um, because I thought it was probably the weakest of of the five in terms of feeling like a commercial over an actual like short film. But even among those four, I think of the five, DeKalbum Elementary feels like we are actually immersed into this actual event that's taking place as opposed to watching a based on true story type of uh, biopic or, or whatever. And I think that's where its strength lies is the fact that we have an artifact in this 911 call that, that gets us into it. I not agree more. And um, speaking of those others, Watu Wate is actually kind of uh, pretty powerful, especially for those uh, Christians out there listening to us. We just this last week, Patrick, we got recognized by a blog, patheos.com as one of the top 50 uh, movie reviewing Christian entertainment blogs that are out there. So, I mean, that was awesome. Talk about humbled and we don't even brand ourselves that way really uh, because we like to, to be accessible to everyone. You know, that's just, that's Patrick and I's faith, but we're not pushing that on anyone per se. Um, but that being said, Watu Wate for Christians is a very strong piece of media that talks about religious oppression of Christians and that there's not a lot of that out there that I can think of. So I would urge people to seek that one out uh, as well. All right. Off we go into the great big yonder with a huge a list of things that have two awards to talk about and the bigger ones. Adapted screenplay. I love the screenplay awards. I was a little bit sad because this year they seemed to be pretty much foregone conclusions that these two movies were going to win. And then they did. Uh, adapted screenplay we had call me by your name james ivory oldest oscar winner ever uh now to win that award and then the original screenplay went to jordan peele of get out and and i was very excited about that gave me a little brief amount of hope that get out might sneak in there and get the the best picture nod as well in the original screenplay category these are all very strong the one big missing is Phantom Thread for me. I don't understand where it is. I don't know how it's not there because it is phenomenal. I think probably Boots Shape of Water in my opinion, but or maybe maybe even Lady Bird. But gosh, I mean, several of these three billboards is a movie that is like strengthened on its performances and its script. It's written by Martin McDonough, a screenplay writer, like an actual stage screenplay writer. Uh, and then the big sick for me, is probably my favorite out of this group. Uh, the big six, a movie that if you haven't seen it yet, you need to seek it out. It's on Amazon. It's an Amazon film. And it has grown on me over the year in a big way. It, it's one that has stuck with me performances, everything about it. I, I really love it. So I would have liked to seen it win original, but get out. I can't, I can't be sad about that. I really am happy for Jordan Peele. First African-American ever to win this award, Patrick. Really? I did not yeah. know that. And only four have been nominated in the 90 years of the Oscars. Well, and what surprises me is Jordan Peele, before this, is known as a comedy writer. I mean, this is this is a big deal. I, I loved his acceptance speech. I love the fact that he talks about the fact that he had this – he's working on this thing, and he, he almost like quit it so many times. Uh, didn't want to finish it, but he kept getting pulled towards it and pulled towards it and pulled towards it. And I wish I could remember exactly what he said, but it was something along the lines of, I'm grateful for the people that pulled me into it, that made me essentially finish it and made me do this because it it turned into what I think he was very proud of. And I'm glad that he won. I think it's a, it's a monumental thing, not only to be the first African-American to win this, but to, 
to win an original screenplay based on a horror film, essentially. I mean, it's tagged as a horror film and it was surprising. And I think that at the same time, it's not surprising that it didn't hit into the, the, you know, didn't win best picture, but I had, I had some good hopes that it would hit the, he would get best director. I thought that would have been a fantastic like duo of, of awards for him to win, but definitely like the fact that get out won. Yeah. And with the big sick, by the way, if, if you guys, when you were listening to the Oscars and watching them, Kumail, Kumail Nanjani, man, he, I love this guy so much. He's phenomenal. He, he, the world has didn't know about him until this movie for the most part, but he has burst onto the scene and he is my, I don't love comedy that much. I don't seek out comedians, but this is a guy that I want to listen to constantly. He's a phenomenal follow on Twitter. By the way, both he and Jordan Peele, um, immediately afterwards, Jordan Peele tweeted out, I just won an Oscar WTF and Camille uh, tweeted out the big picture or, um, the big sick one second place. So, <laughs> so like both of these guys are great. If you have Twitter and you want to interact they're they're definitely ones you want to pay attention to. And if you need to know where he's from, he's both from Pakistan and Iowa, and, two Iowa. Places that, and two places that Hollywood can't identify on a map, according to him. So good. <laughs> so freaking good, man. He's, he's so good. awesome. Uh, adapted screenplay, like I said, went to James Ivory for Call Me By Your Name. This is, uh, this is the only time I have to talk about it, right? Because, <laughs> because I don't think it won anything else. Um, I, I, you know, my relationship with this film I'm not a fan. I don't approve of the relationship in the film because of age difference. That is my position. It takes the film and makes it something I can't enjoy and support. That being said, I'm sad about that because this is an incredible piece of craftsmanship. And the more I think about it, the more I've seen clips of it after I watched the film, I realize how wonderful it could have been you know, if that wasn't there, if that piece was not a problem and the script is amazing. So I just want to put out that I, I totally understand this win and I am supportive of it, not because of the age in the relationship. Cause I don't agree with that, but the rest of the script, I mean, it's, it's really, it's wonderful adaptation. So, um, well, I've only seen, let's see, one, two, three of the five. And the one that I wanted to win was Logan I'm a huge fan of the graphic novel and the adaptation of this screenplay I thought was, I won't say it's spot on because you're trying to fit the last chapter of, of uh, the Wolverine into this universe that you've created. So you have to make some creative, uh, creative decisions that, that alter that. But I thought that it was a fantastic just way to pay tribute, not only to the character, but also to Hugh Jackman as an actor. Again, I'm going to probably show my bias here. That being said, I thought the other two, the disaster artist, the Molly's game from a screenplay standpoint, uh, were incredibly strong. There were a couple of moments. I mean, it's Aaron Sorkin, you know, he's going to, he needs to get an, a nod for screenplay, but I think his direction in the in the movie I think kind of hindered him. Plus the the whole the whole screenplay category itself was just really strong. Having not seen Call Me by Your Name, I can't make an objective or even a subjective opinion about it. But you know, kudos to it for winning, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Feeler's Choice for original screenplay, 
mirrors the Oscar. It went to Get Out as well. Our listeners picked it by a big wide margin. They love Get Out. So um, no surprise there. The Adapted Screenplay Award, however, for the feeler's choice, the second place film was Molly's Game, Patrick. So our listeners also like Aaron Sorkin, much like you and I. And the winner of the Adapted Screenplay 2018 Feeler's Choice Award is... Logan. All right. So there you go. There's my winner. There's my winner, Chicken Dinner. Yeah. So our listeners liked Logan. And this is what I was talking about earlier, where we have a, a mixture of people, right? We have some cinephiles, and then we have some some blockbuster heavy comic book movie fans only. And so it's a it's a cool way to see how these votes play out. Right. Cinematography. This was the make or break award for me uh, in this ceremony, to be honest. I was going <laughs> to... Shortly before this award was announced, within minutes before this award was announced, I sent a text or message out to the group of film, film staff. And I said, I quit the podcast if Roger Deakins doesn't win. Okay, I put my chips on the table, folks. I was going to be done, maybe. And uh, luckily, I don't have to pay up because my man won his Oscar after 14 freaking attempts. Uh, And it's for my favorite movie of last year. I think there was no question to me about this award. I was going to be, I'm not saying the rest of these, these amazing cinematographers, especially including Rachel Morrison and her work from Mudbound. I'm so thrilled to see her get nominated. This is a landmark achievement and she was worthy of sitting in this category for sure. But this was Deacon's award to win. And um, to me, it represents all of his amazing work throughout the year. And I'm just so over the top happy man that he got this yeah i am too i i i i see this movie blade runner 2049 and just how the craftsmanship of building this world 30 years after the fact after the original what a daunting task that was visually to be to have to do that and to do it in a way that made it feel fresh and new and not and at the same time still feel part of that world uh, and and you're, this is coming from a guy who has just now been immersed into the world of Blade Runner as of last year. Um, to to see that done so successfully, you have a director that I think succeeded in that, in Denis Villeneuve. And I think it was a good chunk of it was due in part to Roger Deakins' visual uh, stylings and the way in which he created this world uh, for Blade Runner. So, yes. Definitely deserving uh, all all props to, to Deacons. Next up, oh, our Feeler's Choice Award. Our Feeler's Choice Award uh, also went to Roger Deacons for Blade Runner 2049. So Yay. good job. You can all stay listeners. I'll allow it. Next was the original score category, which kind of was a no-brainer. Uh, pretty much assumed this was going to go to Alexander Desplat for The Shape of Water based on a bunch of other awards that have already been given out in the season. I was hoping for the upset from Johnny Greenwood and Phantom Thread. It's my favorite score of the year, and I think it is just stunning, Mm -hmm. stunningly good. Uh, And I know that I'm not alone, but whatever shape of water won this one and it's good i'm not i'm not sorry that sounded so dismissive i this is a very good score and i know patrick you haven't seen the film but you had made a comment about how even just hearing the pieces you've heard of it during you know highlights of the film and and stuff like that you've really enjoyed it it is it is perfect for this movie it is whimsical it is fantastical um it sounds great so it is a wonderful score it is very worthy 
um, as would Dunkirk have been in some ways, but probably not uh, as specific. I think the editing awards are better. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the one that's missing for me is Blade Runner 2049. Actually, I think that if we were going to nominate Hans Zimmer, I feel like it should have been there as opposed to Dunkirk. But regardless, I think Phantom Thread and Shape of Water were really the two front runners here. Yeah, I agree. And I, look, you're going to get no apologies from me when it comes to loving Hans Zimmer. I love the guy. Uh, he's doing some really interesting things, both in Blade Runner and Dunkirk, this kind of this modern minimalist thing that he's doing where he's almost using sound effects to create his score. But when I listen to The Shape of Water, I am haunted by it in terms of just being kind of, ugh, it's just, it's 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 wonderful to listen to. I can enjoy it having not seen the film. And at the same time, it makes me want to see the film to kind of see how these pieces and parts play into their individual scenes. I mean, there's about 20 to 25 tracks and each one of course is titled, you know, something that's going on in the film. And it, 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 it encourages me, uh, entices me to want to see the movie. And so when, when a soundtrack can do that and when a score can do that, there's something really interesting about that. You know, the other one that really is missing is War for the Planet of the Apes, actually. Absolutely. Now that I think about it, um, that was, that one was, was a very good score from top Mm -hmm. to bottom. Speaking of score, quick plug, uh, a movie came out last year called Score, a film music documentary. Not sure where all you can get this, maybe on Amazon now, but I know that it's more accessible. Seek this out if you enjoy film scores. This is a phenomenal documentary. Uh, Many of the favorites and the beloved composers that we know are a part of this and it's just incredible insight into how they go about doing their jobs and creating these wonderful pieces of music the award the 2018 feelers choice award for original score goes to star wars the last jedi john williams um yeah okay there's that so again that's where I was really talking about our listener base being unique. I am not enthused by this at all. I mean, good for you guys. I'm glad you enjoy it. I enjoy it too. There's no doubt about that. But for me, I feel like John Williams has been riffing off the exact same thing in Star Wars for, what are we on? Movie 8? Was this movie 8, right? For like right. Eight, 8 movies now. And uh, it's nothing new. It's nothing super fantastic or unique. And so I just, I mean, it's good. It's great. And it's serviceable. It does what it's supposed to do. But I feel like this is an award that should be going to kind of new work. And I didn't, I don't really think that The Last Jedi so if, you know, is that so? I so I can in part agree with that. I, I, I'm not a fan of the of, of the award either. I mean, obviously, the Shape of Water is my my personal favorite. But the thing is, when your name is John Williams, you're almost doing a disservice to your ability to win anything else. Because even if I mean, if his name, you know, case in point, Dear Basketball, I actually loved his score in Dear Basketball. That's not going to get the best score nomination because it wasn't in a feature film. So what that tells me is that John Williams is capable of creating fantastic music. The problem is, is John Williams is in a lot of blockbusters and he's in a lot of blockbusters that have the word Star Wars in front of them. And so when you nominate him, you're almost just giving him a little, hey, we see that you did some work last year. We're going to go ahead and plug you there because, you know, you're John Williams. And I think that he's still a fantastic composer 
But I agree. I like the new people. And I think Hans Zimmer is becoming that guy. He's becoming the next John Williams because he does so much work. And his work is good, but his work is so out popular now. And I say popular, so just well-known. Like, oh, yeah, I'm a Hans Zimmer fan because I'm a Hans Zimmer fan. I'm a Hans Zimmer fan. That he's probably not going to win unless he does something just over-the-top good. And I think that's good for the Oscars because you're recognizing new composers but it's kind of doing a disservice to these guys that are still trying to, you know, grind it out and they're, you know, they're making money, but you know, it's almost like keeping the enticement of creating new stuff, you know, away from them because it's like, they're probably not going to win. Fair enough. Well, we love scores. So I I like all of these Uh, original song, Patrick, this, uh, we, the award fit, we get five performances every year at the Oscars. I like, all of these, but the performance, gosh, the performance for Remember Me, Coco, uh, at the Oscars was not my favorite by any means. I think that we, there's no surprise here that the two of us really wanted This Is Me to win. Um, Kiela Settle's performance at the Oscars, uh, just don't even, don't even come near me talking about her being pitchy or complaining about the sound because I would freak out. I think (laughs) it is. um, So I had to catch up in order to be ready to go for our podcast. And the sacrifices that I had to make included the theater bit and four of the five musical performances, because look by default, I'm not a big fan of the musical performances for those reasons that you mentioned it seems like the sound quality just does not do it for me. Last year's La La Land numbers that were done just didn't, they were just not my favorite at all. And I, I don't know that any of them are ever, ever memorable for me. So I felt like, okay, I can skip these. I can skip these. And, and you know, I, I adored Kayla Settle's performance. It was emotionally impact. I mean, it was emotionally driven. I mean, you could see her breaking by the end of the song, like how impactful it was for her. And so I'm not going to say my technical criticisms in front of you because I don't want to hurt your feelings. But the fact is that was the one that I was waiting for. And that was the one that fortunately I couldn't DVR forward uh, because I wanted to stay there and listen to it. And I was glad I did. And it was, this was the disappointment for me. Remember me is fine. It's, it's fine, (laughs) but you don't hear people tweeting about, remember me and doing, you know, their own interpretive, you know, choreography to remember me. I mean, this is me is all over the place. It's the song has impacted just countless moviegoers. Yep. And it frustrates me that, that you have a, a song that has made a cultural impact when we're living in a world and we have an award show that kind of celebrates that. And, you know, it, it loses out. It's, fr- it, it frustrated me. <laughs> me too. Me too. I wanted it to well and win as well. The thing with the remember me that I, I dislike is I don't dislike the song. I love the song. And I think that the song is one, if not two, actually of the best moments in that movie. It is super impactful in mm-hmm. that movie, in the moments that happen. But as a song standalone, it is like, five or six lines of dialogue repeated over and over and over. That's it. You know, and it, and it, I just doesn't, 
it's not something that you can take with you after that moment in the movie. So in the movie, it's a great augmentation to those scenes. And it's very important for that, but I don't think it stands up as a takeaway song like we think of for original songs. So for me, Surf John Stevens' Mystery of Love has grown on me so much. And that's what I was saying earlier about Call Me By Your Name. Like this, this song just emotionally rocks me to my core, to be honest with you. Like it gets me feeling big time. Mm-hmm. And it's probably my second favorite. Uh, the 2018 Feelers Choice Award did go to This Is Me from The Greatest Show. Men. Good job, guys. So good, good job, team. Um, there was some great choices in those nominations, including something from your name. Woo. Uh, I think we had two from Coco and two from The Greatest Showman and then one from your name. Uh, so uh, good, good, good job, Feelers, for picking the not the right one. Sorry, I almost said the right one. For picking the one that Patrick and I <laughs> like better. Okay, moving on. Directing. Um, this is the category that doesn't sadly have Denis Villeneuve in it, but whatever. We're not complaining in this podcast much. Uh, I like these nominees, man. I, I think this is a category I could have easily picked you another five, and I would have been proud of those five as well. So this is a strong group uh, of ca- of directors. We both would have loved Christopher Nolan to sneak in and steal this award. Would have made us very, very happy. Knew it probably wasn't going to happen. Um, I would have loved for Paul Tam and Thomas Anderson to sneak in and win this award. Knew it wasn't probably going to happen. Uh, other than that, I probably would have been okay with Jordan Peele sneaking in and winning this award. But it wasn't going to happen. And then Greta Gerwig, I, I really I think it's great that she's nominated. I, I don't feel like it was on par with the other nominees. Um, sorry. I'm sorry, uh, uh, whoever out there thinks that I'm, you know, being sexist at uh, some point. Um, I'm actually going to address that later during uh, one of our acting awards. But for now, I just got to say, like, I love that Greta Gerwig was a nominated. I think that she was worthy of being in this category, but I'm not disappointed that she didn't win. Um, yeah. So Guillermo del Toro wins this uh, pretty unsurprisingly. Pretty awesome. And one thing I think folks need to remember is that when we're talking about diversity, Guillermo del Toro is not a white man. So, you know, this category, yes, it only has one woman in it, but it's one more woman in it than we've seen in the last, what, how many decade of, of Oscar nominations. It has two white men, one African-American man and one Hispanic man. Yeah. Um, And I think that's great. Yeah. I, I definitely agree that all of these nominees are worthy to, to get the award while I was disappointed in the actual winner, um, I, you know, Nolan was my, was my favorite, uh, closely followed by Jordan Peele and then Greta and then, uh, PTA. I, I just, I, I look at this and I go, it's so strong that your directing is going to be a, a category where, I mean, you're nitpicking at that point as, as a, as a conglomerate of Oscar voters, and so, you know, congratulations to Del Toro. I mean, it's obviously the Shape of Water is doing something because it's it won what four or five of its thirteen nominations. I don't know, uh, but the fact that it got not as many as La La Land. That's oh, how many. That's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I would have liked to have seen when I saw Dunkirk get the technical awards. I started kind of realizing it's not he's it's not going to win the the performance based or even the 
you know, direct, I don't, I didn't, I didn't see it going to the director. So I was hoping for Jordan Peele to, to come in there and do something pretty amazing. And, uh, well, guess what? Unlike the Academy, the feelers of feeling film actually do love Christopher Nolan in a big way. And the 2018 feelers choice award goes to Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk. Yes. So that is flipping awesome. I thought that was great. I was really excited and I was honestly pretty surprised. To, I, I thought that Jordan Peele or Guillermo del Toro or even Greta Gerwig might pull out our award. Um, but sure enough, um, Nolan is the pick and I am very happy and I cannot wait to tweet that out to the world and show <laughs> our love <laughs> for Christopher Nolan. Okay. Next up, actor in a leading role. This category was a foregone conclusion before we even got to it. Okay. So Gary Oldman wins, blah, blah, blah. We knew that was going to happen. He's amazing. He's had a phenomenal career and uh, whatever he's worth. Okay. Let me back up. I think he's worthy. Do you think he's worthy? Because I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter complaining. I mean, look, having not seen the darkest hour yet, I can only say this. I think when you can immerse yourself and look like this character <laughs> and not look like Gary Oldman, that should give you at least a head start on the best actor. I mean, obviously your chops as an actor have to elevate that, but I think that gives you a head start. Well, I really loved four of these, uh, all but Denzel. And I didn't think it was Denzel's strongest performance. And we would have loved to see Andy Serkis nominated in this role, but he wasn't. Um, that being said, I thought Gary Oldman was phenomenal, powerful, transformative, like you said, and uh, definitely a worthy winner. And also just his whole career has been phenomenal. So I was happy. What I wasn't happy with. What? I was going to say, and anytime you can beat out Daniel Day-Lewis, I mean, that's that's a pretty yeah. big feat too. No, it really, it really is. And honestly, Timothy Chalamet, if you've got to ask me to pick a second favorite in this category from these nominees, I'm going with Chalamet, man. I him in that film, no matter what I think of it, he is amazing. You add in the fact that he's 22, this kid, he's one to watch. Him and Saoirse Ronan both, you know, she's been just plowing through these awards now. Like she's she's showing up more and more. I think Chalamet is going to be a monster uh, for many, many years in a good way. Now, what I didn't like is Emma Stone's comments at the beginning of this. She goes to mentioning the directors and she says, four men and Greta Gerwig. Or did I miss this? That's why you asked me back in the director comment. See, I got it wrong. I was wondering, <laughs> backing up, let's rewind. Uh, listeners, so one thing I did want to mention about the best director category then was Emma Stone. See, I thought she was announcing a different award. But it is where she mentions uh, that there are four men and Greta Gerwig in that category. And I have a little bit of a beef with that. The reason is because I think that you can lift up Greta Gerwig's nomination and you can be proud of that and you can make sure that that's mentioned and known without what I feel like is somewhat devaluing the work of the other four amazing directors. Okay, let's take their gender out of it. These are four amazing directors who have earned the right to be nominated in this category. So it is not Greta Gerwig and for men, it is Greta Gerwig, Guillermo del Toro, uh, whoever else, Jordan Peele, Christopher Nolan, and Paul Thomas Anderson. 
like I feel like that was a little too much snarkiness over the top, and I just didn't care for that. Yeah, I, I, I get the sentiment if it's called that, but to me, that's that's being reactive and not responsive when it comes to the idea of elevating creators and recognizing diversity to me. And I'm not a woman. So obviously I'm speaking from a white man's point of view. If I were announcing this, I would say in one of the most diverse categories of nominees in recent years, we have amazing creators. One of which is a woman, one of which is an African-American one of which is, and one of which is, uh, is Mexican American. You know, you can, you can, you can add to that by saying, look, we know what's going on in Hollywood. We know that women are, and, and I mean, it was very well known, uh, even before the Oscars and it was said early on in the Oscars. So to, to kind of poke, poke the bear a little bit, I thought that was, I thought it was disrespectful. To that's, the, that's the word I was trying to think of too. Yeah, to, I just felt it was disrespectful. This is not the place for that, and, and, and not to and not to men, but to the the creator, the creator, right. to those four men, not to yes. me, not to the the entire gender. Like yeah. I'm not crying because I feel like I didn't get referenced enough or whatever. But I feel like yeah, for those four men who earned the right to be in that category, right? You're you're really just pushing them off as if they're nothing compared to her, and I didn't like that, but. Okay, there's my political rant over. So, I mean, it's the Oscars. So what would it be if we didn't get one in? Right. Uh, actor in a leading role, as we mentioned, Gary Oldman. Yay, whoopee. He got it. I thought it was great. And no shocker, the Feeler's Choice Award actually was a darn near close to a tie with Gary Oldman being there. But he came up just short. And the award goes to Patrick. Andy Serkis from War for the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> so glad I get to say yes. that. It's so good. Andy Serkis, Best Actor. In a Leading Role. 18, Feeler's <laughs> Choice Award. I love saying that. I don't care what anybody else gives. Yeah, you know what? We did it. Our listeners did it. We think you're worthy, Andy. Come on, Chipotle. Chipotle. Let's, Let's do, do this. It. Let's do it. Yeah, I was really, really proud of, of that choice. And you know, like I said, it happened in it was a close it was a close race with Oldman. A lot of people loved Oldman as well and really connected with uh, the emotion in his performance. Okay, a couple more and then we'll be done. Actress in a leading role. The nominees were Sally Hawkins in The Shape of Water, Frances McDormand, kind of the front runner for that one in Three Billboards, Margot Ro- Robbie and I, Tanya, Saoirse Ronan in Lady Bird and Meryl Streep in The Post. All of these, but Meryl, I was completely okay with. Uh, Meryl is wonderful and, and always amazing, but I didn't feel that this performance was particularly Oscar worthy. Francis, what can you say? I'm her speech alone. There's no way to argue the fact that she won because she did the mic drop speech at the end. She she did. Who Patrick. I mean, I, if you compare this to what stone's comment was right. Like to me, this is the way you do it. Exactly. I was, that's exactly what I was thinking. She has, to me, it's sincere. It's, it's celebrating women within the industry that you're working in. 
it's not calling out women for being women. It's saying, let's, let's, this is your award too. You know, I've got, I've, I've got the ability to, to say something and I'm going to have you guys stand up and recognize the fact that women are doing something incredible in every facet of the filmmaking industry. And you guys need to be celebrated tonight. And I love the fact that, because that's what the Oscars are. They're a celebration of all these categories. And yes, while there is one winner, there are tons of nominees. And that's why people are there to be recognized by their peers and be recognized by everyone else that they are important. And I love the fact that she elevated women in that moment to say, this is just as much your award as it is mine because you need to be recognized. And then she called out Hollywood and she said, listen, don't just pat us on the back and say good job for being here for this year. Like make it a thing, right? Change the culture, make this a norm. Like come yeah. out. And I love that. Like c- call us to your office or better yet, come meet us in our office. I, just, I <laughs> man, she is fire, dude. She is a fire. Like you do not want to cross her. Like that performance came out in that speech and, uh, and I just love the franticness of it, but yet at the same time, she knew what she wanted to say. And like you said, it was sincere. It was, it was the, probably the best moment of the Oscars in my, in a lot of ways for me. I just, I was yeah. so stunned and it was totally mic drop and just, just wonderful. I'm so, I'm so happy for her because even no matter what I think about that movie, there is no doubt that she is a phenomenal phenomenal performance in that film. And I think that's, yeah, I think that's being responsible with her, with her role as an actress, Meryl, you know? if you do it, everybody else will. <laughs> and she's right. That was you know, fantastic. Meryl, Meryl yeah. stands up. All right. Call her out. Yeah, I mean, everybody gets up. It's like, right. um, that's a great bit, by the way, uh, with, uh, I don't want to go through all of the different bits we liked, but Jodie Foster and, um, it's, <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence. it's like Meryl, Meryl tripped me. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was so funny. And then when she said, she said, talked about having Meryl at the luncheons and she's like, she's acting. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Oh man. Uh, uh, It it made me happy because I was a little bit nervous about, I've been anti Jennifer Lawrence this past week and that made me kind of go, fine. You, you, that was cute. Jennifer Um, the white next to Jennifer. Oh my goodness. Jodie Foster's like a hobbit. Yeah. I mean, just, I don't mean like negatively or rudely, just, I did not know she was that short. There's a disproportion between her and Jennifer. I don't know if Jennifer is this that tall or Jodie is that short or if Jennifer was on stilts or something. But I mean, there was a wow. serious, there's Huge. a serious like division between the two in their eyes. I just eye. rewatched Willow last night and that's what it felt like. was like <laughs> Val Kilmer and Willow. Okay. Um, uh, Feeler's Choice Award also went to Francis McDormand, but by one vote. Okay. And do you know, I'm going to ask, do you have a guess on who the Feeler's, the, the Feeling Film listeners might have chosen as their almost best leading actress. Oh, I'm trying to think, trying to think, trying to think. Um, I don't know. Probably the tightest race we had. Um, McDormand came in first and then one vote behind her was Gal Gadot and one vote behind her was Saoirse Ronan. Okay. Yeah. We almost had Wonder Woman as our best leading actress. Um, hey, look, with Andy Serkis making it as best actor, I would not, it would not I surprise. I would not me. have been surprised and I'd have been okay with that too. Yeah. Uh, it would have been kind of cool, but either way, I'm excited next year. Hopefully we have even more people voting and, and it'll be an, an interesting time there and, as well. But the 2018 Fielder's Choice Award does go to Francis McDormand as well. All right. Best picture. Call me by your name. Darkest Hour. Dunkirk. Get Out. Lady Bird. Phantom Thread. The Post. The 
shape of water, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. We all knew going into this that the odds of this being anything other than shape of water or three billboards were pretty low. Um, me, I really was hoping for Get Out to sneak in there. You, you were really hoping for Get Out to sneak in there. I wanted Phantom Thread the most out of these, but I knew it wasn't going to win. I knew it didn't have a chance. There's other movies in here I love. We don't have to go through them all. But like I said, with Get Out getting the screenplay award, I thought maybe there's a little bit of hope. Kind of knew when director went to tell Toro that you're probably leaning toward shape. Possibly. But the last couple of years, director and best picture have been different. Uh, and I think we it's talked true. about that last year for sure. And then why you got to keep bringing up old stuff. I'm just saying, I'm saying the last several years, there's been a trend away from that where okay. the best director is clearly not a lock. The, the movie for best director with best director is clearly not a lock for best picture. So it wasn't surprising, but it gave us more reason to hope that it could have been something else. I mean, and we had reason to believe that it could have been any of these other ones, just depending you know, how some of these other awards fell. I mean, it could have been Dunkirk for sure for, for a good solid number of reasons. It could have been Get Out, which would have been, that would have made some headlines right there. It could have been Lady Bird, which made, made some other headlines. Um, I think those would have been the other, the other like, wow, but not surprised movies that came out. So when The Shape of Water hit, it wasn't surprising, but I was glad that because of the past year's uh, events and the way that the director and best picture played out over the last several years, we had the potential for something else. Yeah, I, I can understand that. Totally. I, I see what you're saying. I, I do like that a group of films all won two or three awards. And I thought that was cool in a year in which we do have so many great films and it seems to be no real clear front runners um, that these, I mean, they're front runners because they've won some awards, but I mean, Critic societies are all over the place with who they thought were best films and recognizing this year. And it's just not that same level of like one big movie that rules them all. And so I thought it was great. Um, I guess Lady Bird got shut out is what I was hearing after the fact. I hadn't really thought about it, but that's, yeah, that's a little sad for those that love that film. For me, I still think Lady Bird is great and phenomenal and, and really, really good, but I thought Edge of 17 was better and it didn't get nominated or win any awards either. So, um, yeah. uh, so it's really good, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, the winner, Shape of Water, not really super surprising, a little anticlimactic, literally just as soon as it was announced, got up, packed my stuff up and went and started hugging everybody to leave to come do this. So definitely not the excitement of last year. Uh, didn't have the same buy-in as last year either, personally. So that, that was good on my heart. But you know what? The Shape of Water is a technically wonderful movie. And no matter what you think about the story, I think that's where you're ultimately going to land as far as your your feelings on this film. It's really good. And there's a lot to love about it. Uh, and so good, good on Del Toro, man. I mean, I am happy for him. He is a wonderful person. Um, the speech comments he made were great about uh, covering, you know, the line in the sand and it's our job to, to what do you say, fill them in or something like that. Uh, I love that. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm just really pleased that he gets to stand alongside um, other great directors with these awards. Now, the Feeler's Choice Award, Patrick, where did that go? Well, unsurprising, because I feel like our guys, our fans, our listeners have 
their pulse of the movie nation. And they picked Dunkirk as the best picture, which I'm excited about, you know, and it, it doesn't, it's one of those that, that doesn't surprise me. Although I think that in the same way I would have picked, I would have expected three or four other movies to compete with Dunkirk that weren't those three billboards, Phantom Thread. I mean, I think Phantom Thread would have been another one that I would have put in that category. Um, Your name may have been may have been up there because there was a lot of love thrown at it as far as best animated feature. Mm-hmm. And so, actually, it, Get uh, Out was it was huge number contender, two. huge contender okay. for us. So I would have Coco was also a huge contender. Okay. So and I like that I like that variety that we get some animated features in there. We get a horror film in there. Um, so I was glad to I'm glad to hear that those were nominated. But Dunkirk came out on top. Yeah, and it, it came out on top by quite a quite a decent margin as well. And and actually Nolan, I mean Nolan won in a landslide. It wasn't even close. Like it, he really dominated that award. And and I kind of knew when I was going through looking at him, I was like, well, well, I guess that tells me what's going to win Best Picture. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Um, our listeners loved Dunkirk, loved Christopher Nolan's new film. And so I'm thrilled. I think that's great. And I love that that's what we're recognizing. Okay. Any uh, last last two awards, uh, Feeler's Choice? Or any last, I guess, let's last Oscar thoughts first before we do the final two Feeler's Choice awards. Um, You know, I, I, was, I was, I think I said this before, but if I didn't, I'll just go ahead and say it. I was really satisfied with the, with the whole just the whole show this year. This was one of those where, and you said it best. I mean, when you mentioned that there was obviously diversity was a big deal in the Oscars from a, from a political standpoint, but in terms of the dispersion of the awards, there were just a lot of, there was a lot of, uh, uh, there was a lot of um, representation from different films across the board. I'm glad that we didn't get one, one movie that dominated because much like you mentioned with the the foreign film category, it now gives people reason to say, "Oh, okay, let me go check out Three Billboards. Let me go check out The Shape of Water. Let me go check out Call Me by Your Name." You know, movies that they wouldn't necessarily uh, they necessarily see. And these these movies, from technical standpoint, or from a visual standpoint, or from a performance standpoint, they give people reasons to go check them out and go visit um, visit them. So I, I thought that. As a whole, the Oscars provided a lot of great movie and just just cinematic diversity in terms of what they were what they were celebrating. Wholeheartedly agree. I love the show. I had a great time with it. I almost wish that it would have happened at a time when I had a huge amount of love for more of the films. You know, just because it went so well. But gosh, I I did have as best of a time, the good as a time of watching this one as I have in the last handful of years easily. I thought it was great and it's a good direction for them and I, I hope they continue it. So last two awards for us, those 2018 Feelers Choice Awards were unique ones that we added on this year and that will continue on. And these are really specific to the idea of feeling film and emotional resonance while watching movies and taking in film. The first one I'm going to mention is the poignant performance of the year. Um, this one had a, a large group of different nominees. We had uh, Andy Circus was in there. Brooklyn Prince was in there getting some votes for the Florida Project, a film that, gosh, both in the Oscars and in our awards, other than Willem Dafoe, I, it is just sadly missing. I would have, there's so many awards I would nominate that movie 
for best director, even cinematography, screenplay, goodness, acting all over the place. I, I love it. It's probably the biggest hit or biggest miss along with Blade Runner 2049 for me of the entire year. But um, yeah, this we had Gal Gadot in our poignant performance. And this this was meant to be an award that honored the the performance that made you a most emotionally moved, right? And and so some of these that were nominated for Oscars aren't going to do that. Uh, some of them were. So how did that one turn out, Patrick? Well, as I'm looking at our final tally, it looks like the poignant performance of the year, and I'm I'm happy to say this, it goes to Andy Serkis as Caesar for War for the Planet of the Apes. Now, this is something really interesting because um, I kind of expected this for this award. And so the bonus for me was getting him as the best actor in a leading role. So to have him double up on his performance and get those two awards was really, really, uh, it, it made my heart happy. Me too. And I, you know, I would have, part of me was like, oh man, I hate having to give him the same award. Like maybe Brooklyn Prince or Anna de Armas could have gotten this one, or maybe Gary Oldman got best actor since Andy Circus got this one. But frankly, it's it's valid in both places and for two different reasons. And so that's what I love about it. And I think our listeners understand that and acknowledge it and realize it. And they felt the same way. They saw Andy Serkis as Caesar and they emotionally resonated with that character in the same way that we did. And I, I think it's wonderful. So, I mean, Andy, we are all about you and your movie. So like I said, Chipotle, come on. It's a burrito, right? Like it's a, two burritos. Patrick and I both get a burrito yeah. and a plane ticket. Cause you got to fly one of us somewhere. Yeah. So, so make it happen. Yeah. I think yeah. you got the money. You can do just, it. Just steal it. Just use your claw <laughs> weapon. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> your vibranium, um, emotion picture of the year. This is a little <laughs> bit different than the best picture award in that we wanted people to pick the movie that again, really emotionally hit them. And this got us some different nominees. It did get some of the same nominees as well. And Dunkirk was almost the winner, uh, which would have been interesting, honestly, because I, the fact that people emotionally resonate with this movie um, doesn't always get talked about anymore, uh, but it is a very impactful one. It did not, however, come out on top. The movie that did come out on top, I think is awesome. And I am super happy about it, Patrick. So why don't you announce the emotion picture of the year for 2018? The Feelin' Film Academy Awards are proud to present the emotion picture of the year to... Hang on. Let me get the envelope. Is this right? Is let this me right? double okay. check that, please. Let me, let me check that. Is this good? Okay, we got it. Uh, wonder. For the emotion picture oh, of the year. <laughs> we need some like clapping or something, like some cheering. I know. We need to get to the point where we have editing and we can put in actual clapping. <laughs> oh, we're lazy. Yeah. <laughs> so wonder. wonder. Yeah. That's great. I, I think it's a phenomenal choice. And if you have not seen this film yet, please get out there and watch this movie. It's so good. Um, it's an adaptation. Shoot, this could have been nominated for for best adaptation, honestly. It's it's so, so good. Such a great story. It has so many wonderful life lessons for adults, for kids. Got great performances. It's just a joy. Um, it'll make you. It's the one movie, Patrick, that made my daughter cry. 
in the last, I would say, five to seven years that I, I can't remember far back. We used to make fun of her and joke because she would be the only one in the whole theater and the rest of us would be like in tears and she'd just be sitting there like, what's wrong with you guys? I don't feel anything. Wonder coming coming out and she couldn't control it. So um, I loved it. I had read the book with my kids uh, prior to seeing this a couple of years ago and was so excited for it. And I, I'm thrilled that our listeners um, have this emotional resonance with movies like Wonder. I agree. And um, sad to say, I have not seen this yet. <sighs> It's on the list. You don't have to admit everything. You know that, right? Like, should I edit that out? Yeah, edit that out. (laughs) So I'll start over and say, yes, I have been told it's a wonderful movie. No, I messed it up again. Yeah, you're just making puns. No, here's here's the deal. When I went to one of the few movies I get to go see with my wife, the trailer came on and it ended. And I looked at her and she's crying. And I'm like... Oh my gosh, is this, and, and we we're about to see a comedy or something. And I'm like, is this, is this going to happen? So I can already tell you that it's going to be a, a Kleenex uh, night for us once we, once we pop this in, we've got a date night coming up in a few days and we'll probably pop that in. But I, I'm really glad that it won because it, knowing the book and knowing the subject matter, it is probably the most deserving of, of the films. It was not my personal pick in the feeler's choice, but I'm not going to I'm not going to disagree with the with the win at all. Good deal. Well, I, I'm very happy with it as well. Just a quick recap: Best Costume Design. These are the Feelers Choice Awards for 2018. Best Costume Design: Phantom Thread. Best Documentary Feature: Faces Places. Best Animated Film: Your Name. Best Original Screenplay: Get Out. Best Adapted Screenplay: Logan. Best Original Song: This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. Best Original Score, Star Wars The Last Jedi, John Williams. Best Sound Editing, Baby Driver. Best Visual Effects, War for the Planet of the Apes. Best Cinematography, Blade Runner 2049, Roger Deakins. Best Actor in a Leading Role, Andy Serkis in War for the Planet of the Apes. Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Willem Dafoe in The Florida Project. Best Actress in a Leading Role, Frances McDormand in Three Billboards Outside, Ebbing, Missouri. Best Actress in a Supporting Role, Laurie Metcalf in Lady Bird. Best Director, The Christopher Nolan in Dunkirk. And Best Picture, Dunkirk. Emotion Picture of the Year, Wonder. Poignant Performance of the Year, Andy Serkis as Caesar in War for the Planet of the Apes. Thank you again, everyone, for listening, for voting, for participating. Uh, This was a a lot of fun, and I'm so glad we get to do this every year with you guys. Patrick, real quick, let's uh, wrap this up. It's been a great episode. Why don't you tell people where they can find you online to talk further? Yeah, check me out at Shoeless Patch, uh, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H on Twitter. You can find me at Patrick Hicks on Facebook. Be sure to at me or tag me and let me know if you want to talk about any of these picks that uh, that we've gone through for the feeler's choice or about the Oscars. We'd love to continue the conversation. And uh, And yeah, you can find me occasionally in the Facebook group putting out the weekly poll for us. And if you'd like to talk to me, you can find me all over the interwebs at Arnell White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E. That's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, now Vero or whatever it's called. I don't know. I'm all over the place. Uh, you can also find me on the Feelin' Film Twitter account, tweeting from there and very active in our amazing Feelin' Film Facebook group that we hope you all come join and be a part of. It's a wonderful place to talk about movies all year long. And the clock resets now or Yeah, so in the words of Pacific Rim, which is coming up very soon, sequel, start the clock, because the 2018 movie season is on it, 
and we can start talking about the movies of this year instead of the movies of last year. Uh, we have enjoyed this very much. We hope you had a lot of fun. We'd love to hear your thoughts as well and reactions to the Oscars and to our awards and to our reactions. Uh, until next time, please try your best to stay positive. And keep feeling film. Andy Circus, call us. 